What's up, my world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiju himself, the podcast mercenary, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today, we're going to continue on the HBO Max, now just the Max, because there's no more HBO Max. It got rebranded to just Max for some reason, um, thanks to the discovery. But uh, anyways, The Last of Us, we are on episode five, titled, let me just scroll real quick here, because I... Accidentally scrolled away. I had to set up Endure and Survive, directed by Jeremy Webb, who also um, directed the previous episode. I know he brought it up. Craig Mazin was wrote the scripts, and uh, let's get it started, shall we? Uh, now, here's the things I really talk ratings, but I've gone to the fandom page and I've realized that the first episode of The Last of Us, before the word of mouth, 4.7 million viewers watched the premiere episode. By the time we're in the fifth episode, we are jumping. Actually, here, here, how about this? Episode four was 7.5 million, right? The fifth episode's already 11.6 million. That was the highest rated episode of the entire season. And there's good reason why. So let's just get right to this, to this amazing show that is part survival zombie series, but also full of a heart and more than just zombies it's if anything the, the quote-unquote zombies don't even play a huge role in the show they're kind of just there as the theme so the anti-federal chance breaks into riots on the streets this is what you're going to see everywhere and a father or son duel escaped a chaos and hide people are being captured and jailed the rebels are asking for a name because they want to see who the people who uh, are working there are. And Kansas City has rebels who have fought off Fedra and, uh, successfully. So it's one of the few towns that is not occupied by Fedra, but instead by not not fireflies, but specifically just any uh, rebels, period. So the father and son duo find an abandoned home they can set up. And while the streets are going crazy, while the violence. All right, so this is pretty simple stuff, pretty straightforward. They see an elder, luckily he's a friend and has rations for them in an attic. And then I realized, oh, this isn't a father son duel. I remember this from the video game. This is a brother, little big brother, big big brother, little brother duel. They were protecting each other for survival. Um, the younger brother is mute or deaf. I don't know which one. Uh, he, let's just go with deaf because he can't hear properly. I don't know if he can speak or not, but so he is very vulnerable to uh, everything. So the older brother really is taking the role of a guardianship to make sure that they get out of there safe and they can go somewhere where they can escape the chaos of the city of the self-governing uh, Kansas City. It's now like a relic of what it was. Now, if you remember the previous episode, we ended up in Kansas City with Joel and, and, and Ellie. So this is where things get really, really intense. And I expected this episode. And when it happened, I'm like, you know what? Even anticipating wasn't – it still hit me. So, you know, it's like there's a reason why it's rated TVMA. There's some strong stuff happening here. So they see you – know, they stay in their attic and they're pretty much – sleeping, living in the attic until things calm down outside with the people fighting. So, uh, 11 days of rations, food food rations, what they have in this attic. That is the maximum, 11 days, if they're lucky. So the old man points out he needs to be brave for his son's sake, and, you know, so he can kick it. Well, he says his son, because so, he doesn't know their siblings, um, because he doesn't want to scare the child, who is terrified because his older brother is terrified. So he's got to put a poker face to look like he's, no, we're going to be all right, you know, so he can calm down and sleep. So, you know, it's a little small kid. You want to make sure that uh, 
they feel like they're safe. So let's see here. The kid draws superheroes all over the, the attic apartment, as I call it, uh, with crayons that he finds upstairs. And he's a pretty good artist for a little kid. He's just drawing in murals all over the walls just to keep himself preoccupied because they're there all day long. It's not like they're leaving for periods of time. They're literally in hiding. Uh, so 10 days have passed. They're close to the rationing. Rations are uh, pretty much being gone. And eventually uh, they get impatient. They run out of food a day ahead of schedule, sadly. So that happens. And the older gentleman is missing. He never came back from a food run or whatever run they were doing. So the older brother wakes up and tells his, his uh, younger brother he's sorry. And the older man is just not coming back. And we have to get out of here for on to run. So he's been watching the enemy's patterns and how can they can escape on foot. The father is telling, I mean father, the brother is telling his, his brother, uh, the older brother is telling his younger brother that he uh, that he loves superheroes. Uh, so he makes like a little mask of them. So he has, he has like almost like this very, uh, what do I want to call it? A imaginative, imaginative uh, imagination is to kind of keep things uh, less, not less serious because they're dealing with a lot, but it, it's it's a matter of just, you know, like calming the kid down. So, like, we're just playing heroes right now. And so he says, uh, when uh, near him, close your eyes, and he'll tell him when he can open it. So he paints a domino mask on his, bro- on his young brother, and he loves it. He's like, I don't like a superhero. So he hears unsuspecting gunfire, and it's... What happened in the last episode, previous episode of Joel and Ellie? So, from a different perspective, they saw exactly what was going on with the rebels fighting off or getting picked off by Joel. Uh, so, they have a new plan of escape. His brother accidentally steps on glass and he hands him a handgun to f- feel safe because, you know, any slight noise, you're going to get seen or heard. So, they have to sneak around. We figure out their names Henry and Sam, uh, sneak up on Ellie and Joel, and this is where things get interesting. So they strike a deal with them. They're like, we're not trying to kill you. We're just trying to escape for our own sake. Kill a city, as they call it. Kansas City has become Kill a City. Uh, it's federal free 10 days already. So successfully, they were able to fend off Fedra for more than, for the exact period of time that they were in hiding. Henry's collaborator um, is uh, what got him in trouble. Henry is a.k.a. a rat, a snitch, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so because of that, he's um, there's a manhunt for him. And Joel's like, oh, I don't work with no snitches. <laughs> you know, that's very, uh, very street logic right there. But um, he's like, listen, it's not for me. I did it for my brother so I can get out of here safely. So there's a reason why I did it so I can get out of here. I'll never, never come back here ever again. And at this point, Joel, Ellie, Sam, and Henry are gonna hang underground in some like underground tunnel that used to be a, I believe a subway system or something that ha- of the sorts but it wasn't a public subway like they're like oh Kansas City had a subway no no it was only for repairs it was like a type of tunnel that only the city employees used to fix uh, sewer pipes and other stuff on you know like that kind of system like water and so they're like we're gonna go through these because nobody's ever down here there's no clickers I checked it's completely like isolated down there nobody's gone there so, so we're going to easily cross from one side of the town to the next before getting picked off by snipers so there's like we need to help each other so henry needs joel's help to escape because he knows it's a good shot and can't in uh case he just needed for, for for the sake of his brother surviving so 
Kathleen is the resistance leader, and she is brutal. She is ice cold. She she's the the member of one of the characters from Two and a Half Men that uh, Charlie Sheen's character dated, but uh, of course it's been twenty years since, right? So talk about nostalgia, but no, she is the leader because um, her brother died and she has to pick up the mantle. So they control the downtown area, which is like really uh, inconvenient for everybody because you have to go through downtown to get across to Kansas City. And luckily these tunnels lead out without having to see them because they're underground. So Fedra placed all the infected underground in the tunnels and they didn't tell anyone. That's why the city was infected free. Uh, or allegedly infected free. Henry is shocked that survived. Uh, and the clickers, man, this is this scene pretty much, we, this whole episode, we see a manhunt for Henry. And they end up in the house where it's just like in the video game. And this is where Kathleen, and she's a brutal leader. She is a bitch. Like, she's just here to take people down. But let's just, let's just go one by one. Um, so... They didn't know this was going to happen. Henry is shot. The clickers, the, um, they survived, and the clickers didn't get them. So they go underground. It seems abandoned. They camp in. Thankfully, found a section where they can like lock the doors and make sure things don't go awry. Henry confesses to Joel that the person he ran out was uh, ran out to Fedra was Michael, the rebel leader, aka Kathleen's older brother, uh, who got killed. So there, there's literally. Uh, <laughs> this is all family ties. This is all like, you kill my brother, I'm going to kill yours. It's like, you know, let's get this guy. So it's a, it's vengeance. So Henry confesses to Joel. This, Joel's like, you got to be shitting me. Like, you're making this really hard to us. We're just, we barely survived some of these people. We were going to just escape without you. But now, because we know they're looking for you, it's going to make it even hard for us to get out of here. But then again, Joel and Ellie would have never escaped either because they have snipers and riflemen, like the whole downside area, they're, they're surrounded. There was no way they would, and they had no record recollection of this tunnel that Henry, who has worked for, uh, for the rebels, would know how to get to and from, and that no one's down there. So it would have been quite the, uh, they would have been sitting ducks. There's just no way to say it. So they get above ground eventually, and a sniper has them in sights. Joel tries to talk to the sniper, but he's uh, but thankfully, uh, he kills a sniper and he takes his gun. Uh, so the walkie is on, and Joel gets a heads up on the location where the, the rebels are coming from. So Henry and Sam and Ellie can't hear him, but see a truck coming. Now, prior to this, while Joel and Henry are having, uh, I guess, disputes of like trust and whatnot, the kids got along very well. They were playing with each other, and it's just like great to see kids just being kids, even though they're in a post-apocalyptic infected world of uh, uh, mushroom zombies. So, again, you just take that in, like, you know, just a slight levity that they put in the show to not make it all uh, doom and gloom. So, Henry, Sam, Henry uh, knows Sam and Ellie can't hear him, but they see a truck coming, so he manages to take on the big truck before it reaches the kids. Henry gives himself up when a rumbling underground occurs. Luckily, and the infected that were trapped in the tunnels escape and run amok and fight off the rebels. And now it's like the rebels and uh, and the infected are fighting, killing each other off. It's great. uh, uh, I guess you could say uh, distractions that can escape. So a swarm of clickers come from underground and Henry, uh, at Henry, and he's, uh, and the rest can just run out for safely. It's just like, 
go off, you know, we'll all survive. Just make sure that my brother's safe and you guys take care of yourselves. I'll meet you up. So Ellie and Sam are bonding over comic books. Uh, it's the following. I mean, same night, I guess. They finally end up in a safe safe house, and after the whole thing goes crazy, um, so they're just they're bonding over comic books. Ellie Ellie notices that Sam was bitten in the altercation, in the chaos of the clickers and the people trying to get him. So it was like, oh shit, he's gonna turn like real soon, and she panics but runs into action and cuts her hand to spread her blood to cure Sam. Someone thinking that because she is immune to it, maybe her blood is like a serum of some sort that she could literally just, you know, put hers on his wound and see if it heals. So Ellie promises to stay up late with Sam so that he doesn't turn on his own and he can, quote-unquote, die peacefully. Ellie wakes up and Sam is fully infected and on the attack. Henry runs into action and kills Sam without hesitation, taking him out and after realizing, just realizing after he, he what he just did, he killed his own brother, knowing his brother was infected. Of course, he kill, he takes he takes a gun and put tor- puts it towards himself too, and, take, and and offs himself. So he commits suicide. And this is that sad ending. I'm like, man, this is like this is intense in the game. I can imagine the show, and like they really made sure to like to really make this feel like you got to like Sam. You got to like. You know Henry's reasons for what he did, and just essentially he's trying to leave somewhere where he can start anew, away from all this stuff, somewhere and a better life for his brother. And sadly, again, it was a tragedy. And in the previous episode, Joel did not want to see, did not want Ellie to see violence and death, and had her like going to the wall while he was picking off the last remaining rebels that were attacking him. But we're younger guys, are like just begging for a dear life. But he's like, nope, because if I let you up, you're going to try to kill me. Uh, and then in the following episode, she witnesses a murder, well, I mean, I guess a death, uh, execution right in front of her. So it's like, damn, cold-blooded. Like, now Ellie's innocence is definitely gone. Like, if you, whatever innocence Joel thought she had, yeah, it's out the window. So it's it's a sad reality of what the world they live in. So after all this, Kathleen's killed. From the, like, so there's no more hunts, but you're free to go. But sadly, your brother got bit during this whole kerfuffle where they were like trying to hide in cars, under cars and the clickers were trying to reach for all of them. And thankfully everybody survived. But in the end he got bit. It sucks. It sucks so bad. This little kid's like seven, eight years old, man. It's just like, damn, it hits you. So where'd I go from here? So after all this happens, Ellie and Joel do the right thing and bury their bodies in the yard outside of this house that they stayed in. And it was actually a motel, but whatever. And they just stay there farewells and move on their way what a cold-blooded ass episode that was like no wonder it got so many views because i'm pretty sure the word of mouth was like yo this next episode we know where it's gonna be and like how intense it's gonna get and like yeah it sucks that it happened this way but it was one of those strong episodes that you kind of had to see like where was the story going and my god we're still not done here people we just finished the fifth episode and i know it was like kind of just scatterbrained but i'm like i'm not trying to give us a synopsis of the entire episode i just pointed out the little bu- uh, bullet points of what i caught by watching it and my god it was some intense shit like it was intense like you know like this this show is finally picking up steam and it, again it's not all action non-stop but it does when it does uh action it does it in a big way so introduction of henry burrow sam burrow kathleen coughlin uh, Perry, Edelstein, like we were introduced to characters here, even though they were only survived for not even the episode. We're finally expanding the world, and sadly, uh, 
we don't get to see how the world goes. Uh, well, we don't get we don't get to invest in characters like Game of Thrones. Pretty much, they're gonna get picked off eventually. So let's get to it. Episode six, titled "Kin," is the sixth episode of the HBO and Naughty Dog HBO series based off the Naughty Dog game, The Last of Us, with the same name. Um, directed by Jasmila Zabanek, I believe is how you say your name. Written by series creator uh, Craig Mazine. Uh, episode air HBO uh, in late February. Like this, again, I'm way late. I know, folks, but there was a bunch of other stuff I had to review, and also like just other stuff I'm going to do in general. So. Bear with me if some reviews are, like, coming out. Like, I'm trying to finish The Last of Us as soon as possible. So this will be three episodes, and then the next review I do of this will be the final two episodes, and that'll be all. So hopefully I get to the point where we can move on and do some more shows because, God, I haven't even started The Mandalorian yet, and that'll be the next show I'm going to do. And with the writer's strike, I know it's terrible things happening with the writer's strike. Pay your writers, pay your work, your employees, stop, te- stop treating them like gig economy uh, employees. Give them actual pensions. Uh, but because of the strike, it actually will give me a leg up to catch up with all the shows that I, I'm missing because there's not going to be shows for a while. It's going to be a lot of reruns and a lot of reality shows and a lot more live sports on television this year probably until they figure that out. So my my thoughts are with the Writers Guild, Actors Guild, Directors Guild, uh, you know, you SAG people. Everybody is uh, worthy of getting paid properly for their work. And, of course, people who understand writers are not – Famous actors and directors are not getting paid millions of dollars. They work what is essentially is a normal paycheck, 50, 60 grand. They work no different than somebody working in an office job, no, somebody working in any field. So it's not all glitz and glamour. They're the ones who make the glitz and glamour happen, and they're the backbone of the industry. So respect to the writers because without good writing, we would have a lot of shit shows out there So and movies. So with that being said, let's get on to this review. So we start off with our hunter comes home with a rabbit, and his wife is oddly quiet on a rocking chair, and he's got his wife with him, but he knows that somebody's in the house that's an unwanted visitor. She's calm, though. The wife is, like, not freaking out, Um, and it's Joel. He's in the house, and he's disarming the hunter. Ellie's there anxiously upstairs waiting and wants to come down. But Joel doesn't want her to witness more stuff. He's like, no, just stay up there until, you know. But luckily, this is, like, an old Native American couple. They're not exactly, like, hostile they're accommodating. Is this sometimes in the world like this? You gotta trust. You can't trust people right away, so you gotta have to like show people you can earn their trust. So Ellie is anxious and wants to come down. She walk. She storms down the steps. Uh, Laramie and River Reservation, uh, Wind River Reservation, is where their next destination is. But it is dangerous once they get to the river because that's when a lot of people go and never come back. West of the river, they call it a death sentence. You don't want to go too far west because you're not, it's again, point of no return. So they go down there cautiously uh, with the rabbits. <laughs> Ellie, of course, they got hungry. And they go down and they're like, this river is nothing. Like, they obviously are very, like, aware of, like, people hiding in the trees and stuff. It's a forest. It's just, it's in the wintertime, A, and B, there's, like, forests on both sides of the river. So someone could easily just hide there and have a rifle and, you know, just take you out. And, of course, we're in a world of infected people. Like, no one's going to trust anybody, period, because, God forbid, you are infected as well. Uh, so Joel's having a panic attack about this. <laughs> he blames the cold air. But it's the beginning of, like, Joel's character development, like him having anxiety and not dealing with it right. Um, and then he tells Ellie not to worry about it. Just give him a minute. So they reach the bridge. They cross the river and camp out nearby in a cave and eat and sleep. Joel's supposed to be uh, watching... 
while Ellie sleeps, but instead he falls asleep first, and she's the one who gets up early. Uh, but before this happens, uh, they can see the before this scene, they see the aurora borealis where they're at. So they're pretty far into the I guess Wyoming range around there. Uh, Joel's having some hooch, and Ellie gets curious, asks for a shot to warm up, quote unquote warm up. He's like, yeah, whatever. At this point, <laughs> we don't know if you're going to live tomorrow, so let's drink up. So Joel fell asleep. She, Ellie stayed overwatch, and to Joel's surprise, he's like, you should have woke me up, and she's like, no, nah, I had it covered. <laughs> so Joel let out a warning shot uh, because he just wanted to make sure that there was nobody nearby. And thankfully, he didn't hear anything as they're trying to cool down this river they're, they're all kind of speaking of. So they find a dam on their walk along the river, like it's still running, like a oh, whole working dam. Dope. So we can finally find something in here that actually can help us. Ellie asks, what if this river is there a death? And a gang of mass bandits literally um, like dead asses show up on horseback and surround them like, oh, you had to open your mouth, Ellie. So the asses have been infected and have infected smelling dogs, like, you know, those kind of like. German Shepherd-like dogs, and not really German Shepherds. Uh, I know they're like the dogs you see in John Wick, which uh, are very agile dogs, but my God, uh, they can smell the infected. Ellie is infected, but she's immune. So even though she's immune, she can still have the stench of an infected person, and that would blow their cover, and they'd both be taken out. So Joel has another slight panic attack. He's like, oh, we're fucked. We're fucked. This is it. This is how it goes. Doesn't even get to say goodbye to his brother. <laughs> like, he's so close. He's like, oh, shit, you gotta be kidding me. So he has a, a slight panic attack. The dog smells him just fine. Uh, but now he's worried Ellie's going to blow their cover and it won't pass. But luckily, no, she doesn't smell odd to the dog. So she passed the test and he's like, you know, like, Ooh, let's call. So they ask if, they, uh, if they've been infected. They have this weird test of the dogs smelling them. Now that we know they're not infected, they all ride together to a huge fortress in the middle of nowhere. And I mean a huge fortress. It looks like a literal fort where there would be military people. And it's like very, even though it's wood, like a lot of logs, like it's very old school, it's still very solid. Like it's definitely like something you would see in Civil Civil War era America. So the fort is a fort. It's a stronghold where people can live in, uh, I guess, in a enclosed community. And this old couple... Apparently, we're not welcome, so they turned their backs, but it's kind of funny how they didn't invite this old couple to just move into this community because they go in, it's like literally like in the like a flash from the past. So they all ride together in this town. It's Jackson Western Village from the game, and if you all know this, it's also the village that you were like set up, I guess set up camp in part two. Uh, it's a whole community, and they're like, this is ridiculous. Like, this feels like I'm in a fever dream. So they found their home base, and Joel spots Tommy, his brother, the one he's been looking for this whole time, who went ghost on the radar on the Firefly's radio. So Joel's never looked so happy his happy this entire series. Finally cracks a smile and hugs his brother, and they head into town to eat at the local inn. Uh, Ellie questions their methods. Like, mind you, this town is a legit town. It doesn't look like a shabby rack. Like it's like it's like an old ghost saloon town and enclosed it. That's what they did. So that there's obviously people on horseback. It looks like it's very western. Um, there's, but of course, it's like I think I don't know. It's Christmas time, but there's like decorations and it's just it's so weird from what we've seen in other places where things look like they're out of Fallout. You know, just something out of this so disturbingly dark and dreary and broken no this place looks like it's a straight up uh hallmark movie the way it's set up here with working 
like general stores and working uh, theaters and everything and people walking like normal. It's so strange to see because you don't really see people out anywhere else in this entire country like this at all, right? So it's just everyone's just like – so there's shock to this. So they found the Tommy. They have a talk. Joel has never looked so happy yet, but we head into town to eat. Ellie questions their methods. She doesn't trust these people just yet. She finds it very odd that they're living like like nothing's ever happened outside. Like, you know, there's no weird infected creatures, uh, mutated humans out there. There's no uh, people fighting off, gov- you know, <laughs> totalitarian governments and whatnot. No, everything's fine here. So Joel is taken aback by the shocking working community because he's like, we've gone through hell and back to find my brother. And he's living this lavish life in this town where no wonder he wouldn't ghost because if he gave away his position, fireflies would invade it or maybe Fedra would invade it. Like you want to protect the community as much as possible because it's literally middle of nowhere and people outside of it and nearby small houses all assume it's like a bandit town, but really it's just a community with a strong I guess militia. So it's like what you think is really big bad is a way for them to survive and keep the, keep their keep their paradise to themselves. So he is almost like jaded by this, like very jaded. And he confronts Tommy for not communicating and for getting him and the fireflies. Joe has another episode again with his anxiety and panic attacks, and he leaves the saloon. Um, Muriel is introduced prior to his wife. Uh, who's a district attorney from was a district attorney in Omaha, Nebraska before shit hit the fan, and she lost her son Kevin and Sarah and Joel's um, daughters. I mean, she lost her son Kevin and Sarah Joel's daughters. Is picture is also in a monument for alongside Kevin. And at this point, Ellie's like, "Oh, Joel never told me he had a daughter. Never talked about her." So. Maria talk, takes Ellie into the movies in town. There's a movie theater, like a public movie theater, where the kids just watch old movies and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so weird to them. Like, they are really like, what the hell's going on here? So Tommy visits Joel at the Tanners and gives him some boots. Joel confronts Tommy about Ellie's immunity. Um, and confronts, Joel confronts Tommy, tells him about Ellie's immunity and their mission, why they're going this far out. And Joel is, like, coming to terms that he is way over his head, that he can take down uh, anybody from here onward <laughs> to get Ellie to safety to where she belongs. She is still considered cargo in their mission to take from the Fireflies. So he's only human, but he thinks he's Rambo. This guy just thinks like he's out there, like he's the man with no name. Um, and his brother's like, you're crazy. Like You can stay here and literally live a perfect life, but he's like, it's not about me. It's about finding a cure so he can get everyone else to be able to live like this again like back to normal so for the greater good so they have a dispute of philosophies where his brother kind of gave up he's like I'm here chilling I don't give a shit about anybody else out there like if people come in so I'll be able to test them for an infection but like no Joel is trying to find the definitive I guess you could say answer to getting rid of the issue not just brushing it under the carpet so Fear and anxiety kicks in randomly. He has bad dreams nightly, but can't remember. Joel is afraid he can't keep Ellie safe, and he wants to leave her with Tommy because he's like, well, you got a militia. You can take her to where she needs to go because I've been doing this on my own, and it's been really tough on my <laughs> sanity. So Joel goes up to Ellie's room. She overhears some of his conversation as he's venting because she was outside the Tanner's uh, just eavesdropping. which is not on purpose. She was walking by and overheard his voice. And she's pissed, like, oh, at first you don't even tell me you have a daughter, and now you're trying to give me away to some other people who I don't even know. Like, she's like, you don't even give a shit about me. And she kind of vents about it, like, you, 
and brings up Sarah, but Joel isn't having it because he never brought up his daughter to Ellie because it was none of her, you know, technically none of her business, but they are getting to know each other. At this point, he should have brought something up, like, hey, he's not a kid like you, and no, no mention at all. It's like he's very secretive. So they're going their separate ways at dawn. That way, after this, he's going to finish a mission and that's it. So that's the end of the episode. Very high strung. And now we get to the seventh episode titled Left Behind. And uh, this episode, let's see, who, who directed that one? This was Liza Johnson, uh, written by uh, Niall, Neil Druckmann, and this aired in February 26th. Now, we've gone from 11 million views to 7.8, 7.7. So, you know, we lost a couple of people from the previous episode, maybe because of how shocking all things that happened with Henry and Sam, but... This follow this last episode was a lot of like world building. We're not on the run anymore. We actually have a place we can call a home for now, just until things, you know, we're not just out there surviving. We have a base of operations if we want to, and we're offered to stay. So there is a light in the tunnel. Like if they can't find a cure for Ellie, they can come back to this town and just become part of that community. So episode seven titled "Left Behind," a shot of a trail of blood leading into a house. Ellie is tending to Joel who was shot, and he tells her to go north. And this happened the very end of the previous last episode where Joel got attacked and shot. So we now we get a flashback to military school where Ellie is listening to Pearl Jam on her Walkman. Yes, she has a Walkman because that's a player while running in the gym, doing laps. So literally, this is the Frederick school that looks like a real school. And, and I guess it's like an all-girl, all-boys school, so, you know, separated by genders. Um, and she's got her goalies in there and gets in a fight and sent to the principal's office. Captain Kwan is, like, giving Ellie the lecture and ultimatum, like, you can keep doing what you're doing, end up becoming a grunt, cleaning sewers for your life, like, like the, like, uh, Bertha over there, or you can become an officer like me and live in a nice house and have a great life, like, pretty much, like, setting her straight, so Riley sneaked up on Ellie as she was getting sent back to her, I guess you could say dorm room or whatever. Uh, and she, it was the middle of the night and she was gone for three weeks, presumed dead. And this is what started the fight because the bully brought up your friends are here to protect you. And that's when she, Ellie literally decked her and got her open, cut open when she needs 15 stitches. So where the hell was Riley this whole time? Well, she assumed she was dead. She was happy to see her friend, but like not in the middle of the night. She's got class in the morning. So Riley joined the Fireflies, and that's why she was gone. And tells Ellie, and Ellie's flipping out because like, like she is in literal Fedra training school. They're trained to fight off the Fireflies. Why would you join the enemies? And this is where we get the dispute of like perspective of who, how, who's the bad guy, who's the good guy, where they see what's going on here. So Riley wants to take Ellie out for the night before she has to go and become a Firefly because after today, who knows if they can't see each other after this. So Riley wants to take her out somewhere exciting. It's a surprise. He won't tell her. They see a dead body in the way because they're like literally rooftop hopping and they end up, luckily the dead bodies had, like, he committed suicide. He wasn't infected. He had, like, pills and alcohol and the floor was, on this building was so bad he just fell through the floors. So they kind of laugh it off, like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, so Riley wants to take Ellie somewhere exciting. It's a big surprise. Um, after Well, the dead body wasn't there they, they previously, so this guy was freshly dead, mind you. Um, so a 50-year-old firefly recruited Riley uh, and she, because she was impressed with 
how Riley would sneak around in and out of her dorms when she was in federal school. So they hope they have the rooftops more and get to the destination. The girls have a little debate about, I guess, Fedra versus the Fireflies and who's the real, like, for the people and who's against it and trying to control everything. And Riley tells Ellie to turn right and wait for her in this place where she's going to turn the lights on. And it's literally an indoor mall. On the outside, you can't see a thing because it's boarded up. So you can't even see the bright lights of it. And it's just like an abandoned mall. Be like, oh, my gosh, what are you doing here? He's like, don't worry about it. This mall is safe. There's no infected here. We're good. So Ellie is amazed by the escalator. It's like this whole, like, fish out of water thing where she doesn't know the stairs can move. So yeah. so the stores that are got raided were the ones with all the drip. Literally, Full Locker had no sneakers left. But the soap store was full of soap, and she's she Ellie brought it out like kind of like bringing the fourth wall like so sneakers, but not soap because she's like I prefer soap. I need to take a bath and shower. I want to smell good. I don't want to just give a shit about shoes or whatever the hell I can find. But it's kind of like yeah, materialism. That's that's so what we were built on before. We were taught to survive. <laughs> so Riley shows Ellie the carousel and the you know the food court and takes uh, shots of her of the hooch that they found from the dead corpse that they previously uh, grabbed before he fell through the cracks of the floor because why not? Uh, the carousel breaks down. Ellie tries to convince Riley to tr- return to Federal more time before they're separating, separating their ways. And again, Riley is not having it. And she's about to turn 17 and was going to be giving the job detail of sewage detail. She's like, if I stayed in Federal school, I would have been cleaning toilets and cleaning shit the rest of my life. Hell no. And this is like where Ellie's like, you should have told me because we've got to figure something out. So they take pics in a photo booth together. Again, one of the surprises that Riley had for Ellie. Now, in the video game, Ellie and Riley was like a DLC from the first game where you got to see that Riley had a love interest with Riley. They were like friends, but also becoming lovers. Like they were just expressing themselves at this point. They're, again, they're testing the waters. And um, that was, and then tragically, and it's like, it, Again, now it, it's, it, we'll get there eventually. We'll just take it easy, but very much similar to how you play that part of the game, which is not as action oriented, but more like follow the path here to just tell the story. And the story was clever. I'm glad they kind of retconned it in the re release for PS4, I think it was, and just added it in. in so that was pretty cool. So they take their photo pictures together awkwardly because they've never taken photo poop pictures before. So they're like just taking a bunch of weird ones. Um, they follow Mall Arcade. Yeah, that's right, a working, fully functioning arcade. And Ellie's like, video games, yes. <laughs> I barely get to see any of these. And they're playing everything they can find. And they see the Mortal Kombat 2 machine. They're like, Mortal Kombat? Oh, my God. And they get on there and play a few rounds. Um, so they have fun. And out in the distance, an infected is awoken from their sound. So there was an infected. And he was like against the wall there. Like, oh, crap. There, here we goes. So Ellie finds homemade bombs in the kitchen of the food court, one of the little restaurants there, the Mexican spot. And Ellie's like, oh, now I get it. You're detailing the mall because this is where the fireflies kind of put you to, like, you're working already. You're already in, you're not even just thinking about it. You're literally actively, like, they already made you a firefly. And she's Mr. Post. And Riley's like, I was going to tell you that Marlene was going to send Riley away to Atlanta QZ and she wanted to like slowly say that she was this is her last day in Boston and she was gonna head down to, to the south of Atlanta. So she asked if she could bring Ellie too with her and Ellie storms out but her um 
hears Distance screaming, thinking it's Riley in trouble, and then she comes back in. It's just another one of Riley's, Riley's like, surprises. It was the Halloween store. Um, they go in there, have a moment. Um, it's actually Riley planning a prank for Halloween. Thought she would like the decorations and it could dress up. Ellie takes the mind you. This is a dystopian world. Costumes are rare to find, let alone regular clothes are hard to find. But just costumes, like let's pretend that we're not like in this crazy corrupt world. We're like regular teenagers, and let's have fun in the mall here and we'll, like storm the stores like it's literally a kid's dream. Just go to the mall and have a mall to yourself for your buddies. So they're there, they're dancing, and see it. It's. It gets charming, but also you know something bad's going to happen because the music is fine, but you just know you're waiting for it. Uh, so Riley is there uh, with masks, gives one to Ellie, um, takes the book as a gift and bids her farewell. This is a book of gag jokes that I think you've seen the first couple of episodes with uh, Ellie and Joel. Uh, there's a sequel book that came out, and they're reading these like bad dad jokes. So Riley blasts Etta James and Elle's Walkman and the speaker of, like I guess, a boombox there, and they danced on top of the glass cases on the spirit of Halloween store. And this is where they kiss and then they hear rumbling and the infected is caught up. Riley thankfully has a gun because she's already a firefly. So she's packing and, but she missed, she wasn't, she just was not a good shot. She kind of just shot randomly and pulls the gun out and they all just fight for their lives. Uh, they attack the infected. They take him out eventually. But then Riley knows Ellie got bit. This is the flashback to where Ellie gets bit and how she reacted to it. She thought she was going to die. And uh, thankfully, Ellie uh, survived, but sadly, because Riley doesn't have the same gift she has, she ended up passing away. And that's the tragedy of love. Like, that's what this whole episode was. So they end up killing Infected with a knife, going to the dome, like right to the skull. Both Ellie and Riley are seen there, and they're bit, and this is where the episode kind of, like, like this is supposed to be her last day in Boston. She was supposed to sleep properly and head to Atlanta. And she had time to recruit Ellie, but apparently Ellie was just very like, I'm going to stay with Fedra because I'm going to be an officer here. And this is the life that I want. I don't really want what you think I want. Like I, I, it's not, I'm not anti-establishment as much as you are, but Riley is very much about the cause. And like, we do not want to totalitarianism, like, you know, communist leadership, some words are tongue twisters, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, you know, fight the powers that be because they're not the real government. The real government's already been disassembled when this whole pandemic slash endemic happened. And, again, they they have not a heated debate, but they have different worldviews and they speak of it. So they're – and they're also like lovers. Like they both have this tension where they are into each other, but they don't want to confess their feelings because they're young girls who are still – not mature yet to discuss their feelings like that, uh, especially in a world where, like, I don't even know, like, we're talking, uh, at this point, if there's zombies, I think the last thing people are worrying about is LBGTQ uh, relationships in this world, like, hey, love who you like, because end of the day, you don't know who you're going to get, because you're today's lovers, tomorrow's uh, tomorrow's uh, infected, you never know, so, so, yeah, that's been the case with this episode, it is a charming uh, sidestep, very much like the Frank and Bill episode we got previously, but not as dramatic, more of like teeny bopper love. You know, they're not like lifelong lovers, but it doesn't, not that it doesn't hold the same weight. It's just like Ellie's only like real friend is dead now that, and also her first girlfriend, you can say, and now she has nobody. And this is where it like, it shows you a little backstory of like who Ellie was prior to her meeting Joel and why they have such a strong bond because they both need each other. 
to because just do people just need company and people need friends and that's been that's it that's the that's the review these three episodes have been amazing storytelling has been great the amount of action was just enough to keep it entertained and it came when it needed to i'm i have nothing negative to say like i really am loving where the story's coming in but we're almost coming down to the very end and i'm excited to see where the show concludes we've got two or more episodes and i'll probably watch those sometime this week and load them up as soon as I can but thank y'all for staying tuned to my podcast we'll be back soon enough with more reviews coming at you and as always enjoy what you like out there um, you can find me on my social medias on anywhere I'm on Twitch now so if you haven't seen my Twitch channel I eventually pop in every other week so I think last week I did a big uh, car, Pokemon card opening uh, this week I might do a Gundam building uh, Twitch stream we'll see what I'll do but until next time, you can find me either at uh, twitch.tv, kingslater88. You can find me at uh, Podcast Merc on Twitter or here on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever podcasts are available. I am the Podcast Mercenary, Christian George Ramos. Till next time, we're out.